This episode is brought to you by Smart Food. What makes Smart Food so smart? It's Air Pop popcorn, tossed in white cheddar cheese, only 70 calories per cup, a notorious black bag of popcorn deliciousness. You are what you eat. Welcome to the Smart Club. Shop now at snacks.com. On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost. No, no, no. She didn't kill him. Huh? In your true crime podcast. It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your run. And Brooks is here for every runner. Doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks, run happy. What is it that makes a cowboy? It's not the boots or the buckle. It's not the chaps. It's not the jeans. It's not the lasso or the cattle. Not the horse or the saddle. You might think they're all long gone, but you don't need a hat to be a cowboy. A cowboy isn't too busy to lend a hand to a partner. Not too proud to take one, either. And when they get knocked in the dirt, bloodied and trampled, a cowboy dusts themselves off and gets back up. And they'll stand by their partners and challenge those who have it all. And they'll keep riding. Till they find their peace. still gives me it gives me goosebumps to listen to that even just listening to it i wasn't even watching it then and uh yeah man aw fuck they are absolutely taking pro wrestling to another level um that i don't know if uh, I'm in a weird space at the moment, but I actually got quite emotional <laughs> watching that Dark Order Hangman uh, promo. There is uh, the Elite's entrance after that was almost as funny as that uh, as the Dark Order entrance was stirring, 
But um, I don't know, it just didn't feel right to leave it in the podcast. And also, like, you know, it's a podcast. If you guys wanted to watch Dynamite, you could watch Dynamite. But I just wanted to... Um, I wanted to start off talking about that because just the, the storyline has been so good, uh, written so well. And going into the the opening segment match between the dark you know hangman page and the dark order and the elite kenny omega the bucks good brothers um it went for about 35 minutes and i only noticed that because i had to go away for dynamite and come back and fight doesn't let you resume watching sometimes anyway um, i know i was watching it live sorry and then i came back and had to watch from the start anyway um and I did not notice. And I, you know, not to make it about WWE, but I, you know, last week I was talking about watching a John Cena um, intro of Raw. And as entertaining as the man is, and he is, I was starting to look. It just felt like a long time. Because it is. It's a man just standing there talking, you know, um, just getting cheap pops from, from the crowd. I mean, it's hilarious that Stephanie used to fucking use that as a tool to piss Daniel Bryan fans off back in the day. Now you're just getting a cheap pop or Mick Foley as well. She used to, you know, but it's a business tactic of WWE's. Anyway, that, um, this week's Dynamite is my favorite Dynamite of all time. I loved everything about it. I'll talk about it in, in a sec, but, um, if you haven't watched this week's Dynamite, stop listening to the podcast and go and watch it. Find an hour and a half or two hours um and uh sit down get yourself some snacks crack open a beer whatever it is that that helps you relax get an edible you know what i mean anything except injecting heroin into your eyeball basically i'm cool with um and and watch this dynamite man you don't need drugs to watch it by the way (laughs) i just wanted to point that out but um oh man just amazing and and the the quality of this episode and how invested I was, like, I almost cried watching Page <laughs> in the Dark Order walk down the ramp, and it and it wasn't um, the storyline hasn't antagonized me as a as a audience member. You know, like I have moments with WWE where I can I can point to you know Punk beating uh, Cena in Chicago or. Um, the Yes Movement taking over the the ring on Raw. I can't remember what town it was in, but, you know, I, I can point to moments. You know, Brian winning the two belts at WrestleMania. I, I can point to moments and be like, that was a moment where I was emotionally invested and it paid off. But there was always an element, especially with those two guys, or Foley earlier on, um, where... You know, the way that those wrestlers were booked, you couldn't help but feel that there was an antagonistic element to the booking. Now, I know a lot of people will be like, oh, come on, man, seriously, is this wrestling? But, you know, like, as everyone knows, the promos are written in WWE and they're written by only a few people and their attitude towards Daniel Bryan or CM Punk. It's not just, but, you know, like Zack Ryder was another one of these wrestlers. Um, There's been dozens and dozens and dozens of them, you know, like uh, Oscar is another one where the heel 
usually the more favoured WWE wrestler. And when I say favoured by WWE, I mean Vince, Hunter, Bruce, all those guys. So it's usually a guy like Randy or Hunter when he was still wrestling who would come out and be like, you're a nerd. You you know, it was like, it was literally talking to the marks, in inverted commas, through the wrestler, you know. Um, and you just like, you know, it felt like the company was saying to you, you're a fucking idiot for liking Sam Punk. You're a fucking idiot for liking Daniel Bryan. Like, we're going to book them because we know that these guys are popular with you plebs, you know, <laughs> but we don't want to. Like, if it was up to us, it would just we would just have, like, 15 Randy Ortons. We'd have them wrestle. You know, Randy Orton is great, you know, he, uh, but I'm just saying, like, he is the... He is the perfect example of a WWE wrestler. I mean, he's like, what, 6'5", he's chiseled out of stone, he's fucked up more times than than you can count, but continuously gets a free pass because look at him, you know? Um, Anyway, the reason why I'm bringing that up is that it was so nice to have this emotional investment in a character in Hangman Page with AEW, where it wasn't antagonistic. It didn't feel like the people booking the show were, you know, sticking their forefinger into your forehead and going, there you go, you little fuck. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, man, that, that uh, I don't know. Either I need to actively go and find a girlfriend <laughs> Uh, and stop caring about wrestling so much, or AEW are doing an amazing job of telling stories. I mean, I just the reason why I, I've I'm trying to become a writer and have worked in the arts in in the past, and why I love music so much, and especially uh, musicians who are, are great at telling story. You know, like I know it's a very cliche thing. Like I'm a storyteller, but I love stories, and AEW care about the stories that they tell. Um, WWE do at times and when they do it can still be great like roman reigns is a perfect example of that but also paul Heyman and roman reigns basically came in and went we're gonna take all of our stuff we're booking it you know um anyway i i didn't really want to make this episode aw versus wwe it is a little difficult not to do that with the amount of news that's floating around at the moment uh, Vince McMahon said to a uh, investors, shareholders conference call when he was asked about whether AEW was a, a legitimate threat considering the um, the amount that they're investing in talent. Vince basically just dismissed it and said, I, I don't know what their investments are, but um, you know, I don't see them as any kind of competition. You know, maybe we can throw them some more talent. Um, or the talent that they are picking up are from us. So, you know, maybe in the next little while we can throw them some more talent. I guess. Uh, I was talking to Matt about... Um, Matt is still on this podcast, by the way. Uh, just not all the time. <laughs> um, but I was... You know, I do speak to him pretty much every day. And uh, we were talking about this... Um, that sounded really weird. I talk to him every day, but we do because we both are obsessed with wrestling and just constantly our text thread is constant 24 seven about wrestling uh, and an occasional singer songwriter. But this news story came up. It was actually Matt that pointed it out to me and I 
could not. I mean, I could believe that Vince, it, it's bravado, right? It's Vince sort of going like, ah, you don't need to worry about that. Because he doesn't want to panic people um, and have them pull out and their share prices drop even even lower. But me personally, if I knew anything about the product, and I assume the majority of people who've invested in WWE don't, you know, like it can't be a whole bunch of dudes in like, you know, uh, Good Brothers t-shirts <laughs> sitting around going, what's going on with my shares? I mean, it, it may be, who knows? But I just, that kind of like schoolboy dismissive answer to a legitimate question about business strategy, I'd be pulling my money out of WWE so fast it's not funny. <laughs> like I just could, I yeah. I mean, what a fucking... Imagine if you were, I don't know, let's say you'd invested in an electricity company and you were at your shareholders meeting and the CEO was talking and a new electricity company had just opened, you know, had just started business about a year ago and their share price was creeping up on the one that that you had shares in and you asked the CEO, oh, look, is this other electricity company anything to worry about? And they're just like, nah, don't worry about it, this shit. You'd be like, oh, okay, cool. So you've got no business plan in place at all to protect your market share or any of that. You just, I mean, because they like their plan was to just sign all wrestlers, right? But now they're not doing that, um, because this Nick Khan guy has come in and gone. Well, that's a dumb way to. You're not going to make any money doing that. Um. So I don't know what their business plan is in comparison to AEW, but they're obviously still underestimating AEW, which is also pretty dumb when you consider that Rampage, which is their second show, uh, was announced during the week on Dynamite. Now, look, to put it in context, it was very, very heavily teased that this would be the, the debut of Sam Punk. Um, but... Uh, I think tickets went on sale yesterday, so it was two days after the announcement. 14,000 tickets were put on sale um, for the pre-sale, so the, um, the uh, United Center in Chicago uh, has 20,000 seats in it. 14,000 seats were put on uh, pre-sale. They're all gone within four hours. I don't have any updates on what's happening with the other 6,000, but you would assume that they're not going to have any problem getting away, getting rid of that. Also, the New York Grand Slam show, I think there are 18,000 tickets now and there's a, there's a, another 1,500 seats left. So, AEW was starting to sell out 20,000 seat arenas. Now, look, both of those shows are rumoured to have Sam Punk debuting at one and Daniel or Brian Danielson debuting at the other one. So, they are events, and they will book them accordingly, but the majority of Raw and SmackDown shows are at five, 6,000 seat arenas. So AEW, like I was saying last week, AEW is already on the verge of competing with WWE after two years of existing. The other thing as well is that their capital is bigger. The Khans are worth about $10 billion. Vince is worth about a billion. So... Uh, I wouldn't be dismissing, you know, like in that, um, the Vince's response was a lot longer than that, but he brought up Ted Turner and WCW and Eric Bischoff and, you know, it's just an old man living in the past and not paying any attention. And because he has consistently won, um, 
you know, like he beat WCW. If you want to talk about it in simplistic terms, he beats WCW, he beat TNA, and he sees AEW as, you know, the same. It's like, oh, it's just the third. You know, everyone always comes for WWE, but they never win. Uh, you know, so it's probably easy for him to be complacent. But I would also point out that, you know, there was a period of, like, maybe only a couple of years, but WCW were thrashing WWE. <laughs> like, so, uh, and that was a company that was not being well run. Um, AEW appears to be really well run. So, anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave that there. But, um, yeah, haven't watched any uh, WWE this week. Um, yeah, only only Impact and Dynamite. So, uh, what else is going on? I I don't really like talking about this stuff too much because it is a bit spoiler ish. And if you are if you don't want any spoilers for any AEW stuff at all, like I mean, as far as future booking is concerned. <laughs> maybe skip forward a couple of minutes because I'm going to be talking about Chris Jericho and what his plans are uh, in the next little while. Okay, cool. Now that they're gone, uh, shout out to Paul Tanner who uh, was a co-host of 15 Minutes of Doom with me and all the other boys when we used to do it. Uh, He messaged me during the week and let me know that uh, Judas, um, Judas (laughs) Fozzy, they'll be playing Judas, are going to be playing in Australia in February. So you assume that's part of a world tour, uh, which would suggest that this uh, the trials of Jericho will end with MJF being put over by Jericho and Jericho going away for a bit, um, which I kind of got that vibe from the booking anyway. Um, I, I was initially sort of thinking that it might be a farewell to the world tour doing these matches. You know, what a way to go out. And it could still be. Who knows? But, um, yeah, Jericho will be taking a break after the inevitable match with MJF after the, the trials of Jericho. Uh, the Iconics have registered the inspiration with two eyes uh, as a trademark. Um, and their non-compete clauses with WWE were up two weeks ago. So they got their own podcast called Off Chops and they announced that they they will only work as a tag team from now on, which of course, like God, I mean, talk about dumb booking decisions. I <laughs> just, why you split those guys up, you know, I just don't, I don't get it. It's not, I mean, they had been around for a little while, but, you know, it's like splitting up the, you know, I don't know. I suppose they, I was going to say it's like splitting up Edge and Christian, but then, you know, Edge did become a pretty big star. And Christian was a, a mid-card champ for a long period of time, even though he probably should be in the top of card as well. Um. Anyway, I I can't see the Iconics landing anywhere but AEW. Uh, maybe, maybe an Impact slash New Japan contract. Um. I know they're very close with Tennille Dashwood, who's at Impact as well. So, um, and she seems to have a lot of freedom to do because she does a lot of travel blogging and vlogging and stuff. So maybe they 
I don't know, they might not have signed anywhere. They might be happy just doing their podcasts and relaxing and not wrestling, but it seems like their intention is to get back in the ring. It's just a matter of when. But, um, yeah, still not as much female wrestling on the show as I would like in AEW, but there is so much going on. I can see how it would be hard to find the time, but I think it's one of those things where you just have to. You just have to make the time, you know. I know that they always have one woman's, you know, they always try and have one women's match every week, and that that's great. Um, but when they're starting, I mean, the with the roster that they have, there should be more. You know, um, people want to see Britt Baker, and I know, like you know, you always get at least a promo out of it, but get her out that you know, it it only has to be a five minute match. It doesn't have to be. You know, it doesn't have to, not, yeah, not every match has to be a 30-minute Iron Man match. That's all I'm saying, TK. That's all I'm saying, buddy. Um, yeah, but that's pretty much everything that I wanted to rant about. Um, Impact this week, I watched Jay White's teaming up with Chris Bay, which I like. Um, Jay White, man, Switchblade, he could be fucking anything it could be absolutely anything i think i stupidly said on the podcast with matt at some point that it's a bit hard for me (laughs) to uh deal with a a heel with a kiwi accent because i just think they're such nice people (laughs) it's hard for me to (laughs) anyway so i'm just laughing at my own stupid commentary um he's great man i really hope he appears at uh in AEW at some point. Oh, I, that's what I did. I watched uh, the New Japan pay-per-view uh, during the week, which I've completely lost the name of. Guys, help me out. Somebody this week. I'm just going to look it up. I keep going to call it Grand Slam, but it's not Grand Slam because that's the AEW pay-per-view. Um, beep, 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 beep. Uh, it was called Wrestle Grand Slam. <laughs> that's why I keep going, going to call it Grand Slam because that's what it's called. Uh, maybe the AEW one's called something else. Anyway, um, it was only four and a half hours, so it was a short one for uh, New Japan. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. It's um, shout out to Robbie Eagles who came, became the first Australian. Um, IWGP junior heavyweight champion. Um, yeah, dangerous techers. Um, had a match against uh, NATO and uh, Sonata, um, which they won again. Sorry, well, the, you know, Sonata and NATO won against uh, uh, dangerous techers. Um, and then there was a uh, a Carter versus Jeff Cobb match, which was pretty great. Um, yeah, just the usual New Japan business. But anyway, Jay White showing up in Impact is uh, is awesome. Uh, what else we got? What else happened? Oh, there's a number one contenders battle royal announced for two weeks on Impact, which is which is cool. It also looks like Aiden English um, will show up doing his drama king 
gimmick. There's been a few little teaser vignettes. I think that's cool. I think that's a good signing for Impact. He could do some interesting stuff. Um, you know, it always takes people a little while to find their feet. Um, you know, Brian Myers and Matt Cordona have been good signings for Impact in the sense of like they're starting to find their own character in the show and I really enjoy Impact. There were some issues with the commentary feed uh, on the Impact Plus app and YouTube this week, which Impact have apologized for. So um was a little difficult to... You want to hear Matt Stryker's dulcet tones, baby. Um, already basically talked about Dynamite and what I, what I loved about it. I loved everything about it. Uh, Darby Allen calling out CM Punk. I fucking exploded. The elite um, Dark Order Hangman match was phenomenal. That booking of Hangman having to go out of the top five and then bursting his way back through it again to get to Kenny is going to be pretty pretty awesome. Um, I think I'm seeing some reports that that's been um, changed on the fly because of Brian and Punk, but I don't... I mean, Daniel Bryan wants to wrestle Kenny Omega. We know that. Uh, CM Punk is going head-to-head with Darby Allen, so I don't see Punk challenging for the for the title straight away. I think that's great. I'd kind of like to see the same thing with Brian as well. I don't really want Brian Danielson to come straight into the, the title picture. I think for two reasons. AEW have always made people, when they have come in, work for it um i think mox kind of went straight into the title picture but he didn't win the title straight away and i this hangman page kenny omega match has been coming for so long everyone assumed that the payoff would be at all out which is still a little while away and we're still looking at about a month away but if the storyline yeah it'll be interesting to see what they do um also means the dark order lose their number one contendership for uh, tag team titles. So maybe they push that, you know, they continue that storyline off to the side for a bit, Um, have Daniel Bryan uh, go up against Kenny Omega and lose. Bryan puts Omega over. Um, And then it makes it an even bigger deal when Hangman does inevitably beat Omega. Because that is happening. It's just a matter of when. Um, and that that would be even better storytelling if Brian goes into the picture, puts you know Kenny over, because you know, nothing's going to hurt Brian Danielson. So I'm still in this transition phase where I'm going to say Daniel Bryan and Brian Danielson. Um, and Punk doesn't have to go straight into the title picture. They're both so big. it doesn't. They don't need to be, you know. People are coming to see them. Like, you know, it's one of those bullshit Bruce Pritchard things of like, oh, he doesn't need a belt. He probably doesn't need a belt straight away. But uh, if Brian, yeah, puts over Kenny Omega when Hangman does win it, makes it an even bigger deal. Um, And the death match, man. Holy shit. I mean, Jericho and Nick Gage were not fucking around here. And like, uh, I feel like I've been relatively positive on this episode. So I don't want to like, you know, be too much of a dickhead, but, um, you know, Matt and I joke about my reaction to this all the time, but it did really piss me off that the, you know, when Jericho, 
Jericho took the bump off the cage uh, at Blood and Guts. And then the the bullshit reactions on social media towards that was just disgusting. I mean, it really was. Um, oh, it's shit. That looked like shit. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, so then this week, when they do the complete opposite, um, and look, as far as death matches go, man, it wasn't that bad. I mean, for Dynamite, it was intense and amazing. And those guys, like, I loved it. And I loved that the guys put their bodies on the line the way that they did. But then you got people bitching about that. Oh, it's a bit gory, isn't it? Like, fuck, you just cannot win. You cannot win, whatever you do. Um, I mean, it, to be fair, I think the vast majority of people uh, enjoyed, the, enjoyed the death match. JR, man, seriously, if you ever listen to this podcast, I want you to personally listen to this because uh, I'm, I'm speaking to you. Stop being selfish and quit. You don't need the money, you know. Or if you do need the money, find another way of getting it. Because, you know, it was so obvious that he did not want to commentate this death match. He doesn't think it's wrestling, blah, blah, blah. And it's the same complaint that I've had about JR for the whole time that he's been involved with AEW. If it's something that he doesn't like or he thinks is not worth his time, he just doesn't put it over. Even though his job is to put stuff over. That's his only job. Um... You know, I, I don't have the same reverence for JR as, as most people do. Uh, and, and this dynamite thing, the experiment with JR needs to end. Just does. You know, you can hear in that promo that I played at the beginning of the podcast, you can hear him on air apologizing for some fuck up that he's already made. And the show's been going two minutes at that stage. <laughs> like... Uh, he's making mistakes all over the place. He doesn't care half the time. You know, if John Moxley's involved or Hangman Page is involved, then he's on form. But, you know, if anyone's out there that he thinks is a bit shit or it's a death match, then, you know, like he's going, oh, this is fun, isn't it? People want to watch this. This is fun. Yeah, it is, JR. <laughs> People do want to watch it. It's very, very popular. So if you don't like it, you know, you could always go away. Uh, anyway, um, I love the death match and, uh, yeah, having Huvachu Guerrero, uh, come back and wrestle Jericho is just beautiful. I mean, I think, I think TK is around my age or somewhere in between me and Matt's age. And so, um, he, you know, obviously grew up watching WCW the same as us and, and loved that era and wants to see Jericho versus the Juice, man. And it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Um, there will be people who will shit on it no matter what, and I need to stop paying attention to that. But um, I'm loving this Charles Jericho thing. It's going to make Jericho look so great when he gets to MJF and it's going to look M- make MJF look amazing when he ends Jericho's career or makes him leave the company or whatever the stipulation or story is once once they do get their hands on each other. Um, but almost everything with, with Dynamite at the moment is just purring along. The stories are so good. I mean, even Cody and Alistair Black building up to their match next week, which I did say last week was this week, and I apologize for that. I was wrong. It's this week. <laughs> If that makes sense. Back at Daly's place. I can't wait for that match. Um, my only complaints are 
get rid of JR and stop booking QT Marshall. That's the only two things. I mean, surely once they get like Punk and Brian on the show, they just run out of room for jobbers like QT Marshall, right? Like it's just like, you know, hopefully someone like Sam Punk is ballsy enough to just go up to Cody and be like, what's this shit, man? Stop booking this guy. <laughs> like it's embarrassing. Because uh, it is. But besides that, there's two very small complaints. Um, I just bitched about people complaining about stuff and then I complained about stuff for the next five minutes. Anyway, hypocrite. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm going to leave you guys there. Um, I'm enjoying doing these sort of ranty solo bolo episodes. So I think I'll try and keep doing them. And when Matt's available, we'll do a, a two-hander. But uh sounded like more of an innuendo than I hoped anyway my friends until next week may your wrestling be good wrestling and good night